0: What's up everybody and that. welcome it's to like this flashback. Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman show. Oh my goodness, we are back in business, ladies and gentlemen. It is the first show we have done in over a week. And I I told myself after we recovered, you know, mentally both I guess both mentally and physically from the Kansas City Chiefs Buffalo Bills game, which still technically I'm not over yet. So I'm not too I'm still not fully recovered yet, but my voice is back. So I was like Oh, once my voice is back, we'll record a show. And I recorded a show that Wednesday, probably not the smartest decision of my life because my voice was very much gone at that point as well. Was kinda there? It was getting, it was on the uptick, but it wasn't something that was like, oh yeah, this guy can talk for long periods of time. I probably should be talking for long periods of time. Then we didn't record one on Friday and then we recorded one Monday and I was like, oh, we're back in the flow. We're back in the swing of things. We just saw the Chiefs lose to the Bengals, which was an A+. We just saw the Rams beat the 49ers, which was a fun game to watch at portions of it. And then we did a show. Talk about Tom Brady possibly retiring, because at the time it wasn't seen as a a thing that was 100% nail and happening, got reported, but when Brady came out and was like, actually I'm not retired yet, or I haven't made a decision yet, I need to talk to my family a little bit more about the decision itself. And then we were going to record a show Wednesday. And Wednesday, I had a whole thing of things I wanted to talk about. A whole list of things. A whole thing of things I wanted to talk about. And we were about 20 minutes in. Talked about Tom Brady retiring. Officially retiring. This is old news at this point. It's not something that's going to get talked about quite a bit right now because he's done. At least for right now. I guess he did drop a little tidbit today saying that basically, uh, never say never. But, uh, you know, that's kind of what a lot of people say. So I don't know if we will go off that and go like, oh, yeah, Tom Brady's for sure coming back or Tom Brady's for sure done or whatever, this, that, and the other thing. Whatever. But that's old news. And then we also had to talk about the Washington Commanders. Because Tuesday night, so they announced the team name on that Wednesday, okay? February 2nd, 2 2 A lot of twos in there. And there was a whole speculation about who the team would, what the team name would be. Red Wolves, which was building a... A massive following on social media, I might add. Then it was like we got the Red Tails. We've got the Warriors. We got all these team names. And then they released a final three. There's like a final eight or something like that. They released a while ago. And it was the the final three names are in this final eight. And of course, everybody's going in on what teams they like, what team names they like, what this, that, and the other thing. Tuesday night, the day before, you know, we released the show. So again, record the show day in advance. There was a leaked chopper footage going into I believe it was FedEx Field with Washington Commanders plastered all over the inside of it. So we are ready to go Commanders. Oh, we're going to talk about it and then it's going to come out Wednesday. It's going to be so awesome. And then right as we're starting to talk about the Commanders the mic cuts off. 20 minutes of my life down the drain like it was nothing. Like, I'm not getting these three and a half minutes back right now, but at least, knock on wood, we're, we're sticking strong. Because the main reason why I'm hopeful that we're sticking strong is because we bought a new microphone. And I don't remember if I said this at the beginning. When I was testing it earlier, I dropped it when I was, you know, doing the test runs and stuff. Not when I was doing the official show, at least that... Not that I remember anyways. I recorded, like, two small snip bits of a show just to make sure the mic and everything was working properly. But this is a new microphone... And this has to go down in a Logan Blackman Show history as the most expensive episode of the Logan Blackman Show of all frickin' time. It financially, I'm not going to say financially crippled me, but it financially hurt. (laughs) It did not feel the greatest to buy all this new stuff. So for those of you who are unaware, I used to have a, what was it, an Audio-Technica microphone. I don't remember exactly which one it was. Buy an Audio-Technica. I bought it for Christmas uh, two years ago. Not this past Christmas the Christmas prior. And it was going good. It was going really good. And then it crapped. Crapped out. So then I was like, well, let's see what all these podcasters are using. So I would... Not that I don't really listen to podcasts. I'll catch, like, clips on YouTube every now and again. But when I see a podcast clip on YouTube, that goes, oh, that might be interesting. I clicked on it and was like, oh, search on Google. What kind of microphones are these people using? Oh, they are using... The SM7B microphone, the Shure microphone. I was like, oh, okay. Well, if that's what all the big podcasters are using right now, I might as well just at least, you know, see if it's financially responsible for me to get one. So I looked it up, it's $400. And I go, Logan, I got like the angel and the devil on my shoulder here. Logan, this is the angel talking. You're making decent money right now working for your dad. But I don't know if this is the smartest move for you right now. I mean, $400 is a lot of money. It's a lot. The most, the biggest purchase I made prior to the microphone, well, I, I guess I kind of just gave it away, What was my laptop. <laughs> I, guess I, gave, I guess technically I just gave away how I actually bought the microphone. But the devil ended up winning. The devil was like, yeah, Logan, it's a cool microphone. You should get it. And I was like, yeah, you know what? You're right. I'm going to get it. And I don't regret it <laughs> because it looks really nice. It's matte black. It sounds good. And all the big-time podcasters using it, if you know, we're a big-time podcaster right here. Hells yeah! So we got this $400 microphone. And then when I bought the $400 microphone, I was sitting there going, oh, well, I'll just hook it up to my system I already have set up. It's already got the XLR cables. I've already got a stand. I got everything I already need. I've got a box... I don't know what you want to call this thing. I don't know the official name for it. A box where the XLR cable plugs in so we can get the audio into the laptop. I got one of those. So I was like, oh, this will be it. It turns out you need an extra cable and you need a mic adapter to get this thing to work. (laughs) So when I first got it, I came home for lunch today and got it in the mail. I was super excited. I was like, oh, I got my new microphone in the mail. This is the greatest day ever. It's like Christmas, but in February, on February 8th. I was like, oh, we got it. We got a microphone. I was it up to all the things. It should work. And I plug it in, and nothing works. I'm sitting there for about 10, 15 minutes. I'm not going to sit here and say I put like two and a half hours of grinding to try and figure out what was going on with this microphone. No, it took me about 10 minutes, and I was like, okay, yeah, uh, I probably should Google what I need to do to get this microphone sounding its best. And I bought a cloud mic adapter tonight. So I got the mic today which I bought on Friday, ordered it, came in the mail, and all that stuff. And I got the adapter tonight. And I also had to get two more XLR cables. I have the one already here, the one that you're listening to right now. That was already with the Audio-Technica one. But I need to get one so I could plug one end of the XLR cable from the microphone into the, cl- the cloud adapter, and then another one on the other side of it to plug into the you know the sound system thing. And then I bought another one because if I have guests on the show... They can use the other microphone. We already have a cord hooked up for all that. I still need to figure out how to get that work. I tested it for about two minutes, and then I was like, uh, ah, we'll worry about it some other time." I want to do a show now, but the stupid cloud uh, mic adjuster was like four—not four uh, hundred. Who? No, 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 no. Like hundred forty bucks or hundred fifty bucks or something like that, plus the two cables, which together were about fifty. So it, with tax included, it was like two hundred eighteen dollars. This is like a seven hundred. I mean, we're rounding, uh, kind of forcefully rounding up here. This is a $700 episode of the Logan Blackman show. If we include the laptop, this is an eighteen nineteen dollars $1,900 episode of the Logan Blackman show. So we're big time now. We are very, very big time. <laughs> so if you could, if, if you would, uh, you know, do me the honor, I guess, I mean, since we're recording this episode on this such high value right now, you can at least go and buy some Logan Blackman Show merchandise or something. I haven't broadcast that in a while because, to be honest, I sometimes forget it exists. But if you want to go to the Logan Blackman Show... No, the LoganBlackmanStore.com on Teespring. Good Lord, I haven't said it in forever. I kind of forget what the websites are. I haven't even been to the website in forever to edit anything. But if you would like to go there, <laughs> I would greatly appreciate it. Let's just make sure the, uh, you know... What do you call it? The... The the, 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 the the domain name still works because if it's not that, I don't want people going to a website that does not exist. Teespring Store. Logan Blackman Show, Teespring Store. Because there might be something different. Okay, it's still the Logan Blackman Show Store. So you can search the LoganBlackmanShowStore.com. You can go look at all the cool stuff. We got draft expert hoodies. We got Logan Blackman Show Carolina blue colored hoodies. We got fanny packs. We got TLBS stuff. We got Unit of the Week, which we have not done in a very long time we got some buffalo logan stuff not some of my better stuff but you know what it's on there so you know what we'll work with it uh stay stay woke stay informed because remember during covid we had the thing called stay woke wednesday my friend jared he has a stay woke shirt and it stresses me out every single time i see it because i'm not going to sit here and pretend like oh this is the highest selling merchandise in the game i mean i'm not expecting it and Teespring's prices are sometimes kind of ridiculous. So it I have to put it down solo so I at least make some sort of money. I'm making like $2, maybe a dollar, if off this kind of stuff, So I'm trying to lower the price to make it somewhat affordable for people. But not a lot of people have it. And I don't really blame them for not really having anything that we put on the website. But if you could <laughs> help me out financially a little bit. I mean, we did have a when I first did this stuff, this was two, jeez, how long ago was this? Two years ago? When we first did this, we got a decent monetary value out of it. But recently, there hasn't been a giant uproar in Logan Blackman Show merchandise. So if you'd like to do it, or you just want to pay me for one of my sweatshirts, because I've got a little too much. so if you, Or if I like you enough, you can just have one. You just have it. If I like you enough. But if not, just go to the <laughs> Logan LoganBlackmanShowStore.com cop yourselves some Logan Blackman show merchandise and help me out pay for this new microphone and stuff like that because it pains me. <laughs> not, not really, not really, but it, it hurts a little bit. It does hurt a little bit, but back to what I was saying about Jared, it, he has a shirt and I don't see a lot of these shirts everywhere. So when I see one person wearing it, even though I've known Jared for a very long time, I roomed with him up at school Still hang out with him now. Well, obviously, he has a shirt. I don't think he would (laughs) buy one if we didn't really hang out that much. But it's weird for me. He's worn it twice in 2022. Once was this past Friday, went to go see the second Spider-Man movie, the second Tom Holland Spider-Man movie. And then the other time was like New Year's Day or something like that. Very weird experiences for me. Made me feel really awkward. I don't know why. I mean, it doesn't really take a whole hell of a lot to make me feel awkward. I'm not really saying that I'm the the most gung-ho person in the world. Now, if I know you well enough, I might be a little annoying. (laughs) But if if I don't, you might not hear me say more than two words. And you might think this guy is kind of weird. He doesn't talk. And I don't know. That's why I host this. It allows me to get a lot of my inner demons out, I, I guess. Is that the word we should use here? The inner demons of the Logan Blackman Show? But good lord, this was a long-winded intro. Yeah, yeah, this is still the intro. We're at 12 minutes. This is a, long, <laughs> this is a long-ass intro. But before we get into everything that we're going to talk about on the show, make sure you're following the Logan Blackman Show in all forms of social media, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Facebook, YouTube, and obviously the Apple Podcast and Spotify account. Twitter account is Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram is Blackman Logan, the show's Instagram account is the Logan Blackman Show 1, make sure the and 1 are at the beginning and end of that. YouTube channel and Facebook, just search the Logan Blackman Show, subscribe to the YouTube channel, go watch a few videos, give them a thumbs up or even before you even watch them, just click on the video, give me the view, you don't even need to watch it all and give it a thumbs up. It helps me out a little bit, I guess, cuz I got like 30 something subscribers. So, if you want to do that, that's cool. And then the Facebook page, just give it a thumbs up on there as well. I'd greatly appreciate it. And then obviously, lastly, but surely not least, you're listening to it right now on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, so make sure you are following and or subscribed to either or or both of them, the Apple Podcasts and Spotify accounts. If you're not listening to this right now, for some reason you're hearing this, go search Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Make sure you're following and or subscribed and leave a rating on Apple Podcasts out of five stars and leave a description down below for why you think the way you do about the Logan Blackman Show. If you want to give it one star, please don't. But if you do, if you feel like this show sucks ass, uh, it's fine. It's your opinion. It's wrong. But uh, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. But you can leave your description down below. I think we have like two descriptions down below. And I know who one of them are. Because <laughs> he told me he left it. He said, Logan, uh, you should read the description that I left for you on the Logan Blackman Show on Apple Podcast." So if you want to join the other two people down there, you can go ahead and do it. And make sure, again, leave a rating out of five stars on Apple Podcast. I don't know if you can do that on Spotify. But, you know, you can try. <laughs> Share it. Maybe. I don't know. But do it do whatever you want. I'm not going to force you to do anything. But back to what we were kind of talking about a little bit ago, the Washington Commanders. This was something that I really wanted to talk about on Wednesday show last week. I'm not going to talk on Tom Brady. I mean, we didn't add enough on last Monday show. Or I guess not last Monday, two Mondays ago show. Because he was basically kind of retired. He made it official Tuesday or Monday. I don't remember exactly when he made it officially official. But he's retired now. We already know about that. Uh, he won seven Super Bowls, went to 10. Congratulations. Now screw off. Go to the Hall of Fame and leave the Bills alone, okay? <laughs> but the Washington Commanders, okay? Goodness gracious. This kind of got dragged through the mud already, so I don't really need to do a whole lot of talking about the Washington Commanders, but I don't like it. I sat there the first day when it came out. I was like, oh, they're saying this isn't that bad. They could have had a lot worse names out there. I mean, some of the names we were getting thrown around were atrocious. Some were good. Some were very bad. Like, my personal favorite of the Washington, the then-Washington football team was the Washington Foreskins because I think Daniel Snyder, if we're looking at the grand scheme of the NFL, Daniel Snyder might be the biggest proverbial foreskin that is in the NFL right now. If the foreskin was a person, it'd be Daniel Snyder. And I think I'd be backed up by most people in saying that. I don't think that's a very outlandish statement. I think Daniel Snyder is probably the most, <laughs> uh, well, I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think of any other owner out there, but one of the more morally corrupt owners <laughs> in the entire NFL. There has been hundreds, if not seemingly thousands, of scandals surrounding the Washington Redskins, Washington football team, and now Washington Commanders. There's a recent one that just came out a little bit ago. So, I don't know, dickhead is what we could call them. Like uh, I, I have no real issue with the team. Like, whether they're called the Redskins, watch the football team, watch the Commanders, whatever their team is, I don't care that much about the team. It doesn't hurt me. I know they beat the Bills in one of the Super Bowls, but Daniel Snyder's just a giant foreskin, isn't he? Dude sucks. Like, there's no other way around it. Now, for those of you out there that didn't like, or either A, didn't like Redskins, or B, thought it shouldn't have been changed, I am one of the... <laughs> I think I understand why it needed to be changed. I don't think the logo... Was the issue, like the Cleveland Indians, now the Guardians. The Indians, now Guardians logo, was bad. That one was really bad. That was like Peter Pan-esque Native Americans right there. Bad. <laughs> not good. Not good whatsoever. Like, Chief Wahoo is not a good logo. That should have been retired years ago. I, yeah, that, it's not great. But Redskins, the logo wasn't bad. The team name was bad. Your team name is the color of someone else's skin. It's not the greatest team name out there. Okay, I understand why people did not want the team name to be around anymore. I know there's a lot of history surrounding the Washington Redskins and all that stuff, but this is a we- not a great organization, especially in the 21st century. And this isn't the first time when they first changed the name to watch a football team that it was brought up a possibly being changed. This isn't something that was brought on by quote-unquote woke, woke culture and all that stuff, this has been progressing over the past few years before it eventually was like, okay, there's a scandal now involving Daniel Snyder, surprise, and now they're kind of forced their hand here. But it has been talked about for probably the better part of 15 years. Like It's not something that's brand new, but they finally changed it, and in typical Daniel Snyder fashion, they didn't have a name ready. They had nothing ready. So <laughs> they called the Washington football team. And when they were called the Washington football team, I, and I think a lot of people out there, generally didn't have a problem with Washington football team. I actually kind of liked it. It's like one of those old, like the soccer team names over in England or Europe and all that. You just got the th- the city and what they are, okay? <laughs> like, it's not it's not much more than that. Liverpool Football Club. That's what it is. They play in Liverpool. They are a football club. And that was pretty much what the Washington football team was. You play in D.C., you're a football team. Washington football team. So when they were announcing names, I was one that was sitting there like, you know what, I wouldn't be too upset if the Washington football team stayed. I wouldn't be too upset. My dad was the same way. It's not it's not that bad of a name. And then Commanders comes out. And then you got the jokes surrounding Commanders. The chants are awful surrounding the Commanders. But my favorite one is kind of like, the memes of the the Communist Party in regards to the, the Washington Commanders. Let's go, commies, Da You got Red Storm as well. Like, <laughs> you got some interesting, interesting names. And the uniforms. I do not like the uniforms whatsoever. I know some people are like, oh, they're growing on me. No. This looks like, I heard on the Pat McAfee show they're called, like, Any Given Sunday. This just looks like another arena football team jersey like remember when the New York Jets dropped their uniforms which are in fairness growing on me slightly it has taken three years but they have been growing on me a tiny bit the Washington Commanders home uniform looks like an arena football team or an IFL football team like why is Commanders so big on the front of the jersey it doesn't need to be that big I'm not saying like it's overbearing or anything but it's just too big It's not needed. And the numbers, why do we have the white, why is Nike doing this stupid thing where we got to make the numbers like texturized and stuff? Like the Falcons, they have gradient numbers on one of their jerseys. Why do we need to add little dots to the inside of the jerseys for the Washington football team? Why is that needing to be a thing? Or Washington Commanders, sorry, still going to take a little bit of time to get over that. The white lines of the numbers is not great either. The helmet and the logo is fine. I kind of like the, the, I don't know what you want to call that. It's not matte. Would you call it Matt? Their helmets? I, I like the helmets. The home and away ones anyways. We'll get to the alternate jersey in a little bit. The away one is fine, but if you're going to stick the random lines through the home and the the alternate jersey, why is there no lines through the numbers of the away jersey? And why are the sleeves totally different style to the, like... T- keep it you're doing way too much here you're trying to get too creative you're trying to get too outside the box here and it's not working why is Washington on there so small but on the home team commanders is in like 20 point font or 25 point font well as Washington's in 12 point font why is that a thing I think they have two different styles of numbers too like on the like not even just the lines I think the numbers are different like the, it just doesn't look good. And then we're not even gonna really touch on the way one, black jerseys. I'm hit and miss with black jerseys. I think just everybody's starting to do it nowadays. But the W on the front of the helmet, why is that a thing? Why is there a W plastered right on the forehead of Jonathan Allen, who's in the <laughs> the the number they're used for the dummy here? Why is that on there? Like why would you the number on the side of the helmet's fine. I'm even fine with the little like crest thing, the circle thing they got on the shoulder there. If you're going to have the W, get rid of the numbers and put the W on the side. If you're going to have the numbers, get rid of the W. It looks stupid. And then they got the dumbass like LA Rams tag right on their left side. You know how the Rams have Los Angeles or LA Rams or Rams on the left side of their jersey? Washington Commanders have that too. Like, what? These, no. I don't care what people are saying on social media. These are not growing on me. It has been exactly a week since these have been announced. Since the team names come out, since the uniforms have been out, I still am not a fan of it. The more and more, actually, it goes on, the more and more I dislike the uniforms and the team name. That you couldn't come up with anything better. Now, I, I guess I'm putting this on the standard of everybody else. Couldn't anybody else think of anything better? But no, we're not dealing with anybody else. We're dealing with the walking foreskin that is Daniel Snyder. We're not dealing with just normal people here. We're dealing with the now Washington Commanders. For the better part of 20-something years have been a laughingstock in the NFL since Daniel Snyder bought the team. Because remember back in the day, back in COVID when we talked about stay woke thing, we did a whole thing regarding top five dumbest things a franchise the NFL has done. We did it every other Friday. We did teams like the Jets. The Bears, the Bills, the Browns. Like teams like that. Teams that have not been very good throughout the 21st century. And we did Washington. And Washington, the number one thing they did that was the dumbest thing they have done is allowed Daniel Snyder to buy this team. And the only reason, really, why he has a team in the NFL is because Jerry Jones, owner of the Dallas Cowboys, one of the more what do you want to call him powerful? At least he's the most well known owner in the NFL, is friends with Daniel Snyder. Which, I don't know how Daniel Snyder has friends to begin with. That that is something unbeknownst to me a thousand times over. I'm not going to completely understand that at all. But, man, you couldn't come up with anything better. Commanders. Commies. Commanders. That is three syllables. Commanders. How is that going to work in a chant? What song are you guys going to do? You got to do the short names. Like Bills, Bears, Browns, Jets, Bengals. Bengals. We got Packers. We got Cardinals. We got Rams, Chargers. We got Seahawks. I guess the only other one I could think of that's three syllables is Patriots. So I don't. Dolphins, Jaguars. Okay, Buccaneers. So there's another one. But they go by Bucks. Patriots go by Pats. Texans. <laughs> Titans, Colts, Ravens, Steelers. You don't go if you have a three-syllable name, like the Patriots or the Bucks, you go by Bucks or Pats. It's easy. You cannot go by commies. That's something that you can't go by. Manders? just go by Manders? Take out the cum and <laughs> Manders. <laughs> so we'll <if it'll> go <laughs> you can just calm calm. <laughs> You know what it fits i ain't gonna lie it fits i mean we're talking with daniel steiner here so we, it fits <laughs> he's a four skin so it makes sense oh man we like to have fun here on the logan blackwood show but man i feel bad for the quarterback that's going to get drafted this team this offseason goodness gracious and speaking of quarterbacks this offseason uh the senior bowl was this past weekend and I, for one, always love watching the Senior Bowl, and I think more than ever, I've, this was one of the more excited times I've had for the Senior Bowl, or one of the more, leading up to the Senior Bowl anyways, this is the, one, the one of the more exciting times, I'm trying to figure out how I want to word this, basically I was excited for the Senior Bowl, because this is one of the more stacked rosters of quarterbacks that we've had in a while, and I know, I know the meme out there is that this is the worst quarterback class since 2013, when you had E.J. Manuel go in the first round, and Geno Smith and all that stuff. I get that. But for an individual Senior Bowl roster, this was actually a pretty good roster because every single one of these quarterbacks will get drafted. Guaranteed. These are all top – well, there are six quarterbacks there. They're all in the top seven quarterbacks in the draft easily. I think there will probably only be seven quarterbacks drafted, and these will be the seven guys. Now, we didn't have Matt Corral there coming off an injury, and he's also not a senior. But you had Malik Willis. Then you had Sam Howell. And you had Carson Strong on one team. Or just Bailey Zappi, who was on... I can't remember who was on the other team. Yeah, Bailey, yeah. Malik Willis, same how Bailey Zappi. And then we had Kenny Pickett, Desmond Ritter, Carson Strong. So, five of these six guys, and if we're including Matt Corral, six guys, six of the seven guys, will get drafted in the first two rounds. I'm very confident in saying that. I think that we'll probably have two or... Four, not Two three or four I'm leaning more towards three get drafted in the first round this year and then we got three in the second round and then Bailey Zappi will go to the third round or fourth round Bailey Zappi's a weird one because he put up un- insane numbers his last year at West Kentucky he put up insane numbers in the college before he went to Sam what was it Baptist Houston Baptist or something like that put up good numbers there but a lot of people are going to go to the system. He's not very big. He's barely six foot tall and probably 210 pounds. He's basically like me walking around there. And if you didn't go to a big school like Baker Mayfield or Johnny Manziel or Kyler Murray or all these guys, you're not going to get drafted very high if you're not very big. And he went to Western Kentucky. So he's not going to get drafted very high, which is one of the, the downsides of the NFL draft, I would say. But even like Kyler Murray and Johnny Manziel, they had something about them, now Johnny Manziel, obviously, in hindsight, would not be drafted in the first round, let alone drafted at all. But, you know, that's how the cookie crumbles sometimes. And leaving the senior bowl, did I feel like my opinions on the quarterback changed a lot? No. To be 100% honest, no. Like, going in, and we're just ranking the six quarterbacks that were there. Matt Corral's out of this. Going in, it was Pickett, Willis, Ritter, Strong. Wait, no. Pickett, Willis... Ritter, Strong, Howell, Zappy. That's how I came into it. I guess the only thing I would kind of change now is just based off the performance is move Howell above Strong. If I had to pick something, because I think Sam Howell impressed a lot of people due to his mobility and the fact that his offensive line did it. The offensive lines in this did not really do any of the quarterbacks any favors, especially Zappy and Strong, which are easily the two most... I don't want to call them immobile because they're not immobile, but the two least mobile quarterbacks in this draft class, the least ones that are going get draft- drafted are the two that were in this game anyways. Their O-lines did not do them a whole lot of favors. Carson Strong got hit a lot. His center mishandled a couple snaps on the same drive. It was like two plays apart. He uh, came up short on one snap and then rolled it on the ground. Wait, no. Get snapped to the right side of him on one snap. Same drive. So Carson Strong and Bailey Zabby. And Bailey Zabby threw a really bad interception. Under threw a ball like an mf so, so their, their senior bowls were not necessarily the greatest displays ever. I think Willis was the one that a lot of people took away from and going like, oh, wow, this guy is awesome. And now, we, if you've listened to Logan Blackman show, you know we have liked Will, Malik Willis for a very, very long time. This is before the season started. We were very high on the Malik Willis hype train. I think he's – and I still believe this. He is the most gifted quarterback in this draft class. The most gifted. I don't think there's a single quarterback in this class that can do what Malik Willis does if everything's together. And I don't remember if we said this last time we had a show. I did it, I said it on Cole when I went on Colon Company last Friday, I said it on colon company, but I guess we didn't have we haven't had a show in a, <laughs> a few days now. But Malik Willis, for a lack of a better comparison, is the Josh Allen of this draft class. And I'm not sitting here and saying that he will become Josh Allen because I think we're past the point of can this be the next Josh Allen? Oh, look at his numbers his first two years. Look at this guy could be the next Josh Allen. No. Again, like we talked about after the Chiefs game, Josh Allen's an anomaly. You're not going to get someone and just go, you know what, he's really raw. We're going to turn him into Josh Allen. That's not how it always works. It can work, but this is a very weird anomaly. I remember seeing articles after the draft as if the Bills win with Josh Allen, they have proven every single person wrong. Nobody really, outside of a few people, if you're just look outside of like natural ability, natural tools Josh Allen had. No one was like, this dude's going to be a franchise quarterback. But you saw what Josh Allen was, where he was mentally, where he was physically, all that stuff, and it turned into the quarterback that he is right now. Malik Willis in college was better (laughs) than Josh Allen. The only real difference between Josh Allen and Malik Willis is the height. I mean, Josh Allen's got five, six inches on Malik Willis and probably 30, 40 pounds. So there's a big weight and height discrepancy right there. But we're talking about arm talent, we're talking about mobility, Malik Willis has all of that. Malik Willis has the strongest arm in this draft class, and he is the most mobile quarterback in this draft class. But the reason he compares to Josh Allen so well is because you see it there, you just need him to put it all together. And if he can put it all together, you've got an insanely special quarterback on your hands. If he can put it all together. Get him in the right atmosphere. Get him under a quarterback that can learn. Because the thing with Josh Allen was – he got rushed way before he should have played. Like We have brought this up before in the 2018 draft class. If you look at all the quarterbacks that were drafted in the first round of the 2018 draft class, we got Baker Mayfield, Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Josh Rosen, and Lamar Jackson. Out of those five, here were the other quarterbacks that they had on their roster by the time they got drafted. Baker Mayfield, Tyrod Taylor, and Drew Stan, two established NFL veterans. Tyrod Taylor just got done playing in the playoffs for the Buffalo Bills, ending an 18-year playoff drought. Then you had Sam Donald, who had Josh McCown and Teddy Bridgewater. Two established quarterbacks who have been around the NFL for quite some time now. Then you had Josh Rosen, who had Sam Bradford, who had been around the league in the NFL before. Been there many times. Been around the league forever. And then Baltimore, you had Joe Flacco with Lamar Jackson. And RG3, a quarterback, you had a quarterback that had been to a Super Bowl, and then you have a quarterback that relates to Lamar Jackson on a skill-based level in RG3. Like, they were all set up with perfect situations in regards to the quarterbacks they had in front of them to go, I can learn a lot from this person. Josh Allen and Nathan Peterman and A.J. McCarron. Like, Josh Allen was not really set up to succeed from the start in Buffalo. Now, in hindsight, I'm sure the Bills would have been like, yeah, we could have gone out and signed someone more a little more established and rather going out with A.J. McCarron. I know the argument would be keep Tyrod Taylor, but they had a contract clause in there that would have boost his contract a lot. So... They had to get rid of Tyrod at some point. It was inevitable, too. The, the relationship kind of dried itself out. Not with B- Tyra Taylor and the fans, but the coaching staff and all that stuff. B- Bill's fans, unless you're stupid, love Tyra Taylor. I will have nothing terrible or negative to say about Tyra Taylor, apart from the fact he's not a franchise quarterback. That's it. That's the only negative thing I will say about him. But he's a good quarterback, and he's a good bridge quarterback. Probably the best in the NFL currently. I know Ryan Fitzpatrick's still technically kicking it, but the dude's 38 years old. I If I'm... Looking at a franchise and going, I want to draft a quarterback, but I want someone who's been established, to be a, who's been around the league, that won't turn the ball over, they'll do everything, by the book, it's Tyrod Taylor. That's who I want. He won't get you a lot of, he won't win you a lot of games, but he won't lose you any games. He won't turn the ball over anything. But Josh Allen didn't have a Tyrod Taylor. Josh Allen didn't have a Ryan Fitzpatrick. Josh Allen had Adrian McCarron, who had been a backup most of his career. Nathan Peterman threw five interceptions and a half against the Los Angeles Chargers. And then Nathan Peterman proceeded to have one of the worst, if not the worst opening day in NFL history, playing against the Baltimore Ravens, posting a 0.0 QBR, forcing Josh Allen to play a whole hell of a lot sooner than what he was expected to play and what he was really ready for. And then he got injured against the Texans. Then when he came back, that's where you're like, that dude's the franchise right there. And even though the national media was trying to play it off about Josh Allen struggles with this, 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 the dude worked. And he became a top-two quarterback, and he ain't two in the NFL. That's what Josh Allen is. Now, I hope and pray that Malik Willis can become something like that because I really think, as a person, Malik Willis is a very easy guy to root for. I don't think there's a lot of – I mean, unless you do something really stupid, like you're Johnny Manziel or something, or Ryan Leaf or Josh Rosen or quarterbacks like that stature, Malik Willis is one of the more easy quarterbacks to root for in this draft class. I'm not gonna sit here and say I'm rooting against any of these quarterbacks. I think all these quarterbacks are very, very fun and really good leaders from what I could tell from the outside looking in. But I'm cheering for Malik Willis. I'm really cheering for Malik Willis. I don't think that anybody can come close to the skill set that he has in this draft class. Not Pickett, not Corral, not Ritter, certainly not strong or zappy. Malik Willis is on his own different a whole leather playing field in regards to skill level. But remember, we've said this before. I think Sam Darnold is more talented than Baker Mayfield. But Baker Mayfield is the better quarterback. We have said this analogy about a thousand times in the Logan Blackman show. Because so I think he is. I think Sam Darnold, if he, you know, mentally was there, would have been better than Baker Mayfield. But Baker Mayfield's better mentally. So Baker Mayfield turned out to be a better quarterback than Sam Darnold did. And, uh, yeah, that's my whole analogy there. So, like... Malik Willis, yes, I think he's the most talented quarterback in this draft class. But I still think Kenny Pickett's number one. Because I know Malik Willis had a very good week of practice. I know Malik Willis had the best practice out of the quarterbacks in the rain. But watching the game, Kenny Pickett still, to me, is the best one in this draft class. It's not like there's a a mountainous difference between the two. And I feel bad for Corral, because Corral didn't play. So it's very hard to judge Corral And based on, oh, we saw... Every other quarterback that's going to get drafted play this weekend, apart from one, and that's Matt Corral, who's easily everybody's number two or three quarterback in this draft, depending on who you ask. There's going to be some weirdos that have been number four, but, like, the top three has been relatively the same for me for a while now. We put them on different tiers, like Pickett, Corral, Willis. Whatever order you want, those are the top three guys. We've said that before in the NFL as well. Rodgers, Allen, Mahomes, those are the top three guys. Put them in whatever order you want. Those are the best quarterbacks in the NFL. If you think otherwise, that's your opinion. But I'm entitled, also in my opinion, to say that's wrong. Especially now that Brady's retired. But yeah, I'm still, I still have Pickett number one in regards to. I think he's probably the most ready to play. He's the most experienced quarterback in this draft class by far. I know Desmond Ritter won the more game, won the most games, but Pickett played five years at Pitt. Ritter played four at Cincy. Strong played I think three at Nevada. Zappy played one at Western Kentucky, and I think he played four in total. And Malik Willis played two, three. I mean, he didn't really play at Auburn, but he played two years at Liberty. And then the you know, quarterback Corral played two years. Basically, he was there for three, but he played two. But yeah, my that was the that was going to be the big issue coming in on what the quarterbacks were, and nothing changed really in my mind. Because Malik Willis, what he did really well was run the ball. I think he had like 50-something yard rush. He made an amazing play right before halftime or the end of the first quarter, I guess, because they played it off like halves, at least so they could restart the drives and all that stuff so they could get new players in. Had a very nice run. Got like 52 yards or something like that in the game. But a lot of his passes went a little awry at times. There were some throws that he underthrew. And Daniel Jeremiah said it on the broadcast. A lot of his throws are on a line. He needs to get some air underneath the football. And once he starts doing that, That ball will sail all over the field. That ball will fly. Electric player. Electric player. So if I had to do like a new quarterback rankings, like right now, including Matt Corral, it would go Pickett, Willis, Corral, Ritter, Howell, Strong, Zappi. Because I think those are the only seven that are going to get drafted. (laughs) I guess you can throw in like Akeel Glass, EJ Perry from Brown, Dustin Crum from Kent State, Brock Purdy if you really want to. Skyler Thompson from Kansas State. We got Jack Cohn, but there's seven quarterbacks who will get drafted. I can guarantee you that much. Like last year, we had 10, I believe, because we had five in the first round and then we had, so we what the order was, what was it? Lawrence, Wilson, Lance, Fields, Jones, and then it was Trask, Mond, Mills, and then Book and Ellinger. I can't remember if Book and Ellinger were flipped around, but those are the last two taken, but we had 10. And then this year, Pickett, Willis, Corral, Ritter, Howell, Strong, Zappy, Seven. <laughs> that maybe – I really don't see a reality where any other quarterback is drafted. I could be wrong. I just don't see it, especially with how the NFL is looking right now. There's not a lot of teams that need quarterbacks right now. Like, really? I guess you could point out a few teams like the Washington Commanders, like we talked about a little bit ago, the Broncos, the Panthers, the Steelers, the Saints, about five teams – Maybe more than I'm just forgetting about, or teams that can make moves this offseason, I guess. Because <laughs> Kyler Murray unfollowed everything social mo- on the Cardinals on social media and deleted every single Cardinals picture. Maybe maybe the Cardinals are in need for a quarterback. But hey, we said the same thing about. Well, actually, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I want to get to something. I was going to go into head coaches real quick. I want to get one more thing. Other players that played really well in the Pro Bowl, just throughout, or the Pro Bowl, the Senior Bowl. <laughs> I guess we'll get to the Pro Bowl too in a little bit. But Jalen Petrie. Baller. Safety from Baylor. I think we had him at number six safety. Number five now because uh, Jordan Battle went back to Alabama. Jalen Petrie played very, very well in the game and he had a very, very nice week of practice. I think it was JT Woods though, his Baylor teammate, got the interception off Zappy towards the end of the game. Very nice. Uh, I think Perrion Winfrey from Oklahoma was the MVP of the game. Defensive MVP anyways. I think Pickett, again, played really well. He went six for six threw a passing touchdown in the game as well. Trevor Penning, was the offensive lineman of the week, so that was really cool. Uh, he is definitely, and this is coming from a former Panther, so it might come biased, come off as biased or something. But Trevor Penning, I think, went from a about a twenty to thirty-two range player. I don't, he was not slipping in the second round. Trevor Penning was a first-round talent, first-round player, hundred percent. It was just a matter of where he went in the first round, at least in that twenty to thirty-two range. He is definitely at least in the teens range now. Because I think what impressed people a lot with Trevor Penning, yes, he dominated left tackle throughout the week, but he played right guard as well. That positional versatility we talk about here on the show a lot, especially on the offensive line, if you can play multiple positions, that boosts your stock immensely. Like you look at Evan Neal, who played guard, both guards, both tackle spots at Alabama, throughout his Alabama career. Then you have Kenyon Green, same thing. Played every single spot this year for Texas A&M, apart from center. Then you had Iken, Iken, Iken Mekwonwu, who's played guard and tackle in his time at NC State. Trevor Penning, played only tackle at UNI, played both right and left, but also has played guard in the Senior Bowl. Zion Johnson, who was another lineman that had a very, very good week of practice, played guard and tackle in his time at Boston College, and some at BC, or at uh, at BC, at Davidson. Like, positional versatility is one of the key factors in improving your draft stock. Always. That's why you see running backs like, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, and this is hindsight's 2020, but Clyde Edwards-Alaire, if you redrafted now, would never in 100 years get drafted above Jonathan Taylor, let alone DeAndre Swift. Now, to me, if I'm going back in time, I had DeAndre Swift as the number one running back in that draft class, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire went, and I think even the Chiefs would go, yeah, we take DeAndre Swift, who's playing very, very well for the Detroit Lions, who we'll talk about the Detroit Lions in a little bit because the Detroit Lions were one of the coaches for the Senior Bowl. But that positional versatility where you're allowed to make plays in the run game, block, and you can go on the pass game. I know Clarence can do that, but I just thought at the time DeAndre Swift is better than that, and Jonathan Taylor, obviously he's an MVP candidate. He said, or we said, that he should be the MVP of the NFL just for what he did to the Buffalo Bills. That one freaking hurt <laughs> the, what, five touchdowns? In the game, not great. Uh, Desmond Ritter, I thought he played really well as well. Carson Strong, again, I didn't think he played amazingly. Uh, Abram Smith, he scored the first touchdown in the game for the national team. The, the national team, right? Yeah. Uh, former linebacker, played at Baylor, switched to running back, and played very, very well. Uh, Trey McBride, I believe, caught a touchdown in this game as well. Trey McBride, easily the number one tight end in this draft class. Easily number one in this draft class. It's weird because he had so many yards in his time at Baylor, this last season at Colorado State. Led the nation in three yards for a tight end. Had one touchdown. One. How the hell does that make any sense? You have that many yards. You have one touchdown? One? <laughs> but that, that's the national team side of things. Going over to the American side, I mean, Malik Willis, again, like we said, very nice game for him. at a very good running the ball game, mostly. I mean, again, 72 yards, or 72, 52 yards rushing or something like that from Malik Willis in the game. Any other players? Fadarian Mathis, I thought, played pretty decently. Uh, Jermaine Johnson, the second from Florida State, he's been one of the biggest risers. I think he was a borderline first-round draft pick. We had him, I think, so what? I had him at probably six or seven for edge rushers. So you got – I'm trying to think of the list back again, That what we had. Hutchinson, Thibodeau, Ojabo, Carlaftis, Walker, Cameron Johnson, and Jermaine Johnson. Jermaine Johnson has now put his conversation at number four. I don't think he's done enough this week alone to pass the likes of Hutchinson, Thibodeau, or Ojabo. But I think Jermaine Johnson has definitely put himself in that conversation to pass up the likes of Kalaftis to pass Trayvon Walker, especially Cameron Thomas. I think Cameron Thomas kind of fell off a little bit in regards to the scouting process, especially with uh, Arnold Ebiketti from Penn State, another person a lot of people like. But Jermaine Johnson balled out. Easily the best defender from the Pro Bowl practices anyways. Again, I know Perrion Winfrey won the MVP of the game for the defensive side of things. But he played very, very well for uh, the American team. And Cameron Thomas was in the game as well. But he just didn't play as well as Jermaine Johnson did. Well, there's a couple other players that I was wanting to talk about. Oh, D'Angelo Malone. This dude was awesome. From Western Kentucky. This dude is not very big. I don't remember his size exactly. D'Angelo Malone. He's not big. 230 pounds this dude's coming off the edge of the d-end 6'4 230 pounds is a d-end played outside linebacker western kentucky was playing as a d-end in this game was blowing up tackles he blew up trevor penning on one play this dude's 6'3 230 pounds and he's playing d-line that dude if we're talking about draft stock boost from where we go who are you to potential day two draft pick that's something malone did and uh uh crap where's the other guy I must have passed him. I passed him on the national team. Sorry about this. Sorry. This is very unprofessional of me, and I apologize. Boye Maffe. this dude from Minnesota was another player that boosted his draft stock. This dude went from eh, day three, I mean pretty much easily day three, to day two, not only day two, round two, and possibly first round. Late first round draft pick, Boye Maffey, That dude had himself a day. Malone and Maffey were two of my favorite players from the Senior Bowl. I loved watching that. I I don't know why I skipped Mafia when I was going through the rosters, but that dude balled out as well. Any other players that I want to talk about here for the American team? Quarterback-wise, Sam Halligan. I think I said this before, but I think he boosted his stock again. A lot of people, including myself, looked at the inconsistencies throughout the season in regards to the passing. Obviously, he had around 800 yards rushing. I think he was the second or third highest number, post the third highest, second or third highest rushing numbers for any quarterback in college football, I know Malik Cunningham was number one easily. He'll be a favorite for the Heisman next year. And then Malik Willis was number one or, or number two or three. I can't remember. I think Malik Willis was higher than Hal, but it wasn't like a lot. they were both in the 800s. But Hal definitely helped himself out. And I know we talked about this quite a bit on the show. Hal lost a lot of people. You lost your top two running backs, your top two wide receivers from the season before. Your numbers and consistency are going to go down. It's just naturally going to happen. So I wasn't too surprised by that. But I think he definitely put himself back up in that upper echelon of the top five quarterbacks, especially because Strong didn't play his best, mostly because the line didn't play very well. That's that's, And he's not that moment. He's also coming off a knee injury. So, from the season prior, it's not like anything really, really recent. But uh, none of the running backs were really amazing. Right, Brian Robinson started the game for the American team. I wanted to see more Devontae Price in this game. He didn't put up a ton of numbers while at Florida International. But he's a fun player to watch. If you want to go watch a running back and see, like, outside of the numbers, I would recommend watching someone like Devontae Price. Isaiah Likely, I wanted to see a little bit more from him in this game as well. Calvin Austin was fun to watch. Wide receiver from Memphis, very fun player to watch. Jalen Tolbert, awesome player to watch as well. I think the wide receivers in this game were more fun to watch on the American side because I just mentioned two right <laughs> there, Jalen Tolbert and Calvin Austin. They were a lot of fun. But there's a lot of really nice performances in this game. But, yeah, they, they, those were a few of my favorite ones. I'm not, I don't want to miss out any or a ton of people, but those are my favorites. And, again, the ones I had liked the most were Boye Mafi and D'Angelo Malone. Those are my two favorite performances from the week. And i also say you know, Trevor Penning and Zion Johnson there as well. I don't remember what team Zion Johnson was on. Sorry, I don't know if I mentioned him before or not. But he, but he is definitely someone that impressed a ton, and he will definitely be a first-round draft pick now. He was He was going to be a first-round draft pick, or a borderline first-round draft pick. I think he came in somewhere around, like, the – anywhere from 50 to about 30, 30 to 50. That was about the range you would see Zion Johnson going in. But now I think it's definitely first-round. It could be – it's in that I – mean, he basically replaced Trevor Penning, who went from the 20 to 32 range to the teens range. <laughs> Zion Johnson went to the 30 to 50 range to the 20 to 32 range. Easily. I don't think there's really a question in that. I love watching Daniel Falalele, the tackle from Minnesota, who's a freaking monster. He was once 410 pounds while playing up at Minnesota. 410. 410. I, I can't stress that enough. 410 pounds. And he weighs about 380 right now. So you like to see the effort he's putting into shedding some of the prowns because, you know, being that big sometimes can hurt. He's basically like Bryant McKinney, but younger. <laughs> and not an Australian. So, yeah, I liked a lot of what I saw from the Senior Bowl. And you had the Jets and the, the Lions coaching. You had their assistant coach. Deuce Staley was the Lions coach for the American team. I don't remember who the Jets coach was. He coached a game for the Jets earlier this year, but I don't remember what his name was. But I think a lot of these two teams took a lot away from this game. And one of the interview questions for for Dan Campbell was asking him if he wanted to sign Malik Willis right away. So uh, he's obviously not going to answer that, and he's not drafting Malik Willis for the second overall pick, at least I don't think at this point in time. Could be wrong, and I really doubt he'll be available at 32, so or 31, depending on who wins the Super Bowl, I guess, because the Lions do have the Rams pick. But, yeah, I thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed. I had something else I wanted to talk about with the Lions, because what, what, I, I, I stopped myself earlier. What was I going to say? It must have been really important. <laughs> I can't remember it. Uh, Well, whatever. It was a fun game. If you, if you haven't seen anything from the Senior Bowl, I'd recommend just going up and looking up some of the highlights and stuff. But those were my favorite players. From the Senior Bowl, and with that, in Senior Bowl, generally, when you have the Senior Bowl, it's the two worst teams in the NFL generally that their head coaches and their coaching staffs goes because most of the time they're the teams that are going to be looking for quarterbacks or good players. They want to build their roster. Now, the people that the Lions and the Jets will be taking with their first two picks, with the first, the second and fourth pick, were not the Senior Bowl. Aiden Hutchinson wasn't there. Uh, Akonwu, Cross, Hamilton, Stingley, Gardner, Thibodeau, none of the guys that these two teams will be looking at for the second and fourth pick were playing in this game. But the reason these two teams were coached, none of the lines would have been there regardless because they were the number two pick. But the Jaguars weren't there, and the Texans weren't there because they didn't have coaches. And they fired Urban Meyer, and the Texans fired uh, David Coley, who was basically, again, set up to fail down in Houston. But now... We have every single spot filled. Yes, every single coaching spot has been filled up. It has been filled up a lot more since the last time I've talked to you. So we can go through every single coaching spot and talk about how we feel about these coaching hires. So this isn't in any particular order. It's just a a graphic from Pro Football Focus. It tells all the pictures of the head coaches and stuff like that. So we'll talk about them individually. Uh, Starting off with the number one guy on here is Doug Peterson going to the Jaguars. Not really surprised by this. He was the first person they interviewed after they fired Urban Meyer, so it's not really too surprising to do. He's been to a Super Bowl, played quarterback in the NFL, has been around some very nice quarterbacks, coached under Andy Reid for a little bit. If you want a guy to be very quarterback friendly, I feel like Doug Peterson would be a guy that you would want. I know that relationship with Carson Wentz deteriorated towards the end of this time there, and he wanted to start Jalen Hurts and had that whole situation there. But I think he'd be, he'll be perfect for Jacksonville. I personally, again, wanted Byron Leftwich down there, but I totally understand why Doug Peterson ended up getting the job. I mean, he's been around there, he's done it, been to a Super Bowl. And we are all in agreement that he should have been fired from Philly. I mean, it got bad towards the end. His record outside the Super Bowl was the same as Anthony Lynn's with the Chargers, so it was about time he left. But, yeah, getting another job, I'm not too surprised he got another job. Some Bills fans out there were hoping that he'd be the new office coordinator because, well, I guess he's not number two on this list, but Brian Dable, he left to become the New York Giants head coach. He was the number one candidate this offseason. He was one of the top two candidates last year and was easily the number one or two candidate this year. I would say definitely number one, though. And it made a ton of sense in the world. Like, this was the... If you had to choose which one made the most sense out of all these coaches, Brian Dable to the Giants makes the most sense. Okay? The the Giants hired the Bills' assistant GM, Joe Schoen, to be their new GM. Brian Dable worked with him in Buffalo, is going to follow. Because one thing you want to make abundantly clear and should be in your number one priority when coming in to hire a coach is make sure the head coach and the GM get along because they are going to be working together. Like Buffalo, you have my, Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean, two people that came from Carolina together to Buffalo. The Giants did the exact same thing. Brought two people from Buffalo that have known each other to worked together to New York to play for the, the coach and GM the Giants. So very unsurprising here. I Again... I thought Dable would be the guy for the Dolphins because the main reason, we've talked about this before, he's Coach Tua. If you fired a coach that didn't like your quarterback, you should get a coach that is 100% behind your quarterback and has a previous relationship with him. Brian Dable had that. But I think two things were a factor here. Joe Schoen being the GM of the Giants definitely helped. And then having to play the Bills twice a year is not something that would really much boost the ego at that one. Ever since Josh Allen's come to the league, he's watched the, lost the Dolphins one time, and that was his first time he ever played the Dolphins. Josh Allen owns the Miami Dolphins. <laughs> so I'm not surprised at all that Brian Dable ended up going to New York instead of Miami. But speaking of Miami, they hired their coach last uh, Sunday night, hiring Mike McDaniel, the office coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers. Now, I could have just been completely oblivious to what was going on, but I didn't see the Dolphins really interviewing a lot of people. I, I mean, I don't follow a lot of Dolphins things on social media, so you can't really blame me too hard for it, but I wasn't seeing a ton. I basically was like, yeah, they're hiring Brian Dable and then kind of left it alone. I guess they interviewed, like, I'm assuming they interviewed Kellen Moore. So I, I would, that's probably it. I don't know who else they interviewed. Mike McDaniel kind of accelerated things. He's been around the NFL since 2005. Dude's 38 years old. Like, he's been around the NFL forever. And the thing that I'd like about this hire is that He's the main reason Debo Samuel became what he came in San Francisco in regards to a do-everything player that's always going to have the ball in his hands, whether it's out wide at wide receiver in the backfields or running back. Mike McDaniel is the main reason that was allowed to take place. I know Kyle Shanahan's the offensive guru there, but Mike McDaniel is the one that spearheaded that operation, and it worked beautifully. Debo Samuel became a nice player in the NFL to one of the best players in the NFL like that. And with the Dolphins, the thing that they have struggled on the most – over the past few years, is establishing a run game. This is something they're going to need to do. Mike McDaniel is the run game coordinator for the San Francisco 49ers before he became the offensive coordinator. Like, that is what they need to do. And he's an offensive-minded head coach. He's going to work with Tua. He, I saw a video on Twitter that he Facetime and Tua. They're going to work together. I think that's key. You got co- Again, you got a quarterback <laughs> that basically got your last coach fired. Basically, he didn't like Tua, Tua very much did not like him, (laughs) and gone. But I like that hire. It pains me to say that because he's the Dolphins coach, but I do like the hire. From a neutral perspective, I really like the Mike McDaniel hire. And speaking of a name that starts with an MC, next one we got on here, (laughs) and I've kind of just gone rogue at this point, I don't even go down the list anymore, is Josh McDaniels, one of my least favorite people in the entire NFL Josh McDaniels, one of the biggest dickheads. Like, if, we, if Daniel Snyder's the foreskin, I don't know, Josh McDaniels the shaft or something, <laughs> this dude sucks. <laughs> this dude reeks. And T-Boy does not – Patriots fan T-Boy, we've talked about before, we've had him on the show before, does not like Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels, he was like is very limiting in what he'll do offensively. Very conservative coach. And he was this young, hot shot head coach with the Broncos, got fired, crawled back to New England with his tail between his legs, and then took the Colts job, and then about 20 hours later, felt like 20 minutes, he's out the door in Indy. He's going back to New England, hired a whole staff and everything. So they're like, what What happened here? One of the biggest asshats in the NFL, Josh McDaniels. I don't, I, I'm not a fan of Josh McDaniels. I don't think there's a lot of people that are. I'm upset that Rich Bisaccia didn't get another chance as a head coach, but I kind of understand why. I mean, he's not the biggest, the sexiest name for the Raiders who always try to go out there and usually pay overpay for a big-name coach. Josh McDaniels, though I don't like him, though I think he's overrated as hell, is a big name. So you're going to drive that in. I thought if it was going to be Bisaccia, I thought it would be Harbaugh. And then Harbaugh was interviewing with the freaking Vikings because he had a relationship with the Vikings' new GM who I can't remember his name at this time, I'm sorry. And then they go out and hire Kevin O'Connell, which, again, going back to picks, that make sense. This one makes sense. Kevin O'Connell was the quarterback's coach when Kirk Cousins was playing in Washington. You have a previous relationship with the quarterback. That is key, especially since a lot of people out there don't really rate Kirk Cousins that highly. You have a coach that has worked with him. Now, I guess I don't really know their relationship too well, but I would assume since he's worked with him in the past and ended up taking the job here that he likes him to at least some capacity. You one would assume that, right? (laughs) That Kevin O'Connell likes him. He's an offensive coordinator for the Rams came over. Not too surprised with this pick one. I didn't even, it didn't even go through my head when they were first interviewing coaches. I didn't even see his name anywhere about possible candidates. But then once I saw Kevin O'Connell possibly interviewing for jobs, I did some research, saw a quarterback coach, the watch football team. When Kirk Cousins was there, I was like, okay, That's the head coach of the Vikings. I don't know why the Vikings are trying to play this all off. Like, they're interviewing all these people. Kevin O'Connell is going to be the guy, and he wound up being the guy. And it makes a ton of sense. Offensive-minded head coach, which is what the Vikings were looking for, and a guy who was a previous relationship with the quarterback at question. Makes sense. I like the hire there. And then we're kind of out of – I was kind of going flow. I'll keep it in the NFC North. Matt Eberflus, new head coach for the Bears. Defensive-minded head coach. I know a lot of Bears fans were wanting an offensive-minded head coach. A lot of Bears fans. And – To be 100% honest, out of all the coaches that were hired, out of nine, only three of them were defensive-minded head coaches. And we'll get to some of them in a little bit. But Matt Eberflus, I am not shocked he got a head coaching job. I think this dude has been one of the better head coaching candidates for the better part of two or three years now. And I was kind of surprised he didn't get one last year, but now he's got one. And this was the only one (laughs) out of all these predictions that we got bright. So, you know, we'll give ourselves a round of applause. We'll give ourselves a round of applause. But the thing is here, I know a lot of people are going like, oh, we need an offensive-minded head coach we need a young offensive-minded head coach to help out Justin Fields' development. And Yeah, I guess that makes sense because you want an offensive-minded head coach there. But if you get the right offensive coordinator, that's all that really matters. Sean McDermott's a defensive-minded head coach. John Harbaugh is a defensive-minded head coach. Look at Lamar Jackson and Josh Allen. You get the right OC in there, Greg Roman and Brian Dable, your quarterback will be doing fine. And there's other defensive-minded head coaches, like Tony Dungy and Peyton Manning was another one. Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson. If, oh, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> Let's check real quick. Because I want to be I, – I, uh, I feel like that's right. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Yes, okay. I we <laughs> just wanted to make sure. I questioned it instantly. After I said that, I was in fear. I was very much in fear. And sometimes it can work, but the last time the Bears went out there and tried to hire the next good thing of the off to minded head coach thing, the young, hotshot head coach, it was Matt Nagy. And Mark Tressman was another one. So, like, I don't know why a lot of Bears fans are really upset about this. I think Matt Eberflus is a very good hire. I like the dude a lot. I think he's going to be a very nice head coach for the Bears. It provides some stability there. If he gets the offensive coordinator right, everything else will sort itself out. And then another former Bear... Or keeping with the Bears, Lovey Smith got the job of the Houston Texans. He was the last head coach to get, well, I guess I shouldn't say that because I there's one more that I think might have been hired last. But Lovey Smith was one of the last head coaches to get hired. This is one of the last head coaching jobs to be open, so it shouldn't be really that surprising that he was the last one to get it. And I'm in two minds about this. On one hand, it makes sense because Lovey Smith was the defensive coordinator for the Houston Texans. So it's basically an in-house hire. You fired David Coley. But I don't think you went out there firing David Coley because you wanted to hire Lovey Smith. I don't think that's what happened. From what it sounds like, they really wanted to hire Josh, McNa- Josh McCown, former quarterback in the NFL with zero head coach or any coaching experience for that matter. And so, like, if you want to talk about um, ramifications for hiring that, they couldn't do that. The other coach, which is the one that we would have gotten right, was Brian Flores, and if you've been following the media recently or following ESPN and all this stuff, Brian Flores has been is basically just ended his head coaching career, essentially, for lack of a better term. I, that might not be the technical phrase you're looking for here, but that's the reason that he's not the head coach of the Houston Texans right now, is because he went out and called out racism in head coaching circles around the NFL about not giving black head coaches a chance and all that stuff. So basically just said, I'm not going to get a job this offseason. I think that was the guy. We said this right after the Texans fired David Coley. Brian Flores is the guy. Brian Flores is the guy to be hired for the Houston Texans. They did not I refuse to believe that the Texans went out there with the mindset, we're going to fire David Coley and hire Lovey Smith. I refuse to believe that. I don't believe that for a second. They fired Lo- David Coley to hire Brian Flores. And regardless of whether it was to him coming out and saying stuff about the, the coaches in the NFL or not, I don't think – Lovey Smith was probably my least favorite hire, if I'm being 100% honest here. Just because I know it's not the guy they should have hired. Brian Flores, regardless of what his stance is right now, is easily, next to Brian Dable, the best head coaching candidate available. Easily because he's the only one at of all of these that had, had a decent track record with teams with a team that was supposed to be awful. He was the only Bill Belichick disciple that was going to turn out to be something good. Out of all the Bill Belichick disciples, none of them have turned out to be anything. Like Josh McDaniels sucked as a head coach, Bill O'Brien, another one, Matt Patricia. Joe Judge. Like, there's no, there's very rare a Bill Belichick disciple in the NFL specifically has worked out. Nick Saban didn't even work out in the NFL. Really? I mean, he went 9-7 and seven and left for Bama after one year. So, I guess you can't really go like, oh, the other didn't work out. He was there for a year. And didn't even do that bad, really. But, yeah, that's my stance of the Texans thing. I'm not going to go into the whole political aspect of this whole thing, but Brian Flores should be the coach of the Houston Texans. That's my, that's my take on that. Uh, moving on to another team that fired their head coach late the New Orleans. I guess he didn't even fire him. The New Orleans Saints. Sean uh, Payton just stepped down <laughs> out of nowhere. It was like, yeah, uh, after 16 seasons, yeah, I'm done. And left. And they just promoted with Dennis Allen. Now, Dennis Allen's been a head coaching candidate for the past probably two or three years. He was the head coach of the Raiders at one point, I believe. I'm not a massive fan of it. I mean, it was basically you're the last team to fire a head coach. You get the bare minimum of everybody else. He got hired today. So... Yeah, there's not really a lot to talk about there. He's a defensive mind coach in a terrible-ass situation. No cap space, uh, no quarterbacks, no wide receivers. Now no running back because Alvin Kamara beat a dude, <laughs> broke his orbital bone in Vegas right before the Pro Bowl. And we'll get to the Pro Bowl in a little bit. But, yeah, not a great situation for Dennis Allen right there down in New Orleans. And then the final head coach on here was actually, you know what, in a roundabout way, we started with the first person on this list and we ended with the last person, Nathaniel Hackett took the Broncos' job, and I am of the mindset that this per- Nathaniel Hackett only got hired because they want Aaron Rodgers. That's my thought process behind this. I don't think they would have hired him if they didn't think they had have shot Aaron Rodgers. Rodgers has been vocal about possibly retiring, possibly leaving the organization. He was vocal about it last year, about how he didn't want to come back to Green Bay, never want to play for Green Bay again. And now the Broncos hired his office coordinator. I think this is something that the Broncos are trying to do. We'll see if it works. We'll see if it actually works. I'm don't. i I'm kind of just gut feeling, at least for right now, I think they can get something over the line for Rodgers. Packers have no money. Rodgers ain't going to come back without Devontae Adams, and they can't afford to have Devontae Adams. So I think Rodgers to Denver makes a whole hell of a lot of sense, and I think the main reason they hired Nathaniel Hackett is because of Aaron Rodgers. And going on, we kind of talked about this a little bit with uh, Dennis Allen and <laughs> Alvin Kamara, who, again, broke a dude's horrible to bone. But the Pro Bowl was this weekend as well. It was Sunday. And I can speak freely about this, and I feel like my opinion on the Pro Bowl is the same as about 99% of everybody else out there. I'd be hard-pressed and be pretty damn surprised if there was anybody that actually sat down and enjoyed watching the Pro Bowl. I haven't enjoyed watching the Pro Bowl in years. This one was the worst one I've ever watched. The worst one. And we barely watched it because the NASCAR heat race at the LA Coliseum was also at the same time. So we were flipping back and forth between that, and that time. we were just like, yeah, I forgot about the Pro Bowl. Like, it's stupid. This Pro Bowl sucked. This was, like, people are calling it shells, which is basically helmet, shoulder pads, shorts. One of the better days of practice you can get. This was not even shells day. You popped during shells. These guys were just tapping each other. It was too in touch with pads. Like, I loved watching the skills competitions. Like, I loved watching the the catch competition, the 40-yard dash dodgeball, the accuracy challenges. I loved watching all of that stuff. The Pro Bowl game sucks. Like, and I understand why it sucks. From a player's aspect, some of these guys have been done for a month. Like, you look at some of the teams that didn't make the playoffs. Like, Darius Slay was there from the Eagles. You have um, – who are some other those, – those, why was that the first person that came into my mind? Jonathan Allen was there. We had uh, – I don't uh, – Stephon Gilmore. I don't know why these players are the ones that pop in my head first. But players have been done for a while. They've already started their offseason. And then you got players who just got done playing or just starting their rehab, and they're not trying to get hurt during the Pro Bowl. It's not something smart, and the money there is not really enough to go like. And I know it's a lot of money, but given what the money they're already making, it's not something that's going to be. Oh yeah, we got to play. We got to do this. We got to do this. We got to do it. Like it's not something that's worth it. And I understand from that aspect. And I bet ninety percent of the players that played in that game were still drunk from the night before. So I, I understand from the players' aspect why they're not doing what they do. But from a fan's perspective, it sucks. Good Lord. Do away with the Pro Bowl. And I saw a tweet the other day. It was like, the NFL should have the most exciting all-star game out of all the professional sports, and it's easily the worst. Easily. Stick with the skills comp, and that's it. That's all it should be. And I saw someone, Doug Rush on Twitter, said instead of the Pro Bowl, take the two teams with the worst record in the league, the Jaguars and Lions, let them play one game to determine the number one overall pick in the draft. That would be a whole hell of a lot more exciting than watch the Pro Bowl. The most exciting part of the Pro Bowl was Stephon Diggs versus Trayvon Diggs. That was about it. And Mac Jones running like a 70-yard run and then grittying in the end zone. That was about it. That was the only two things that were exciting in this game. The first three of the first four touchdowns scored in the game for both teams were pick sixes. Like, it was not enjoyable to watch from even like, oh, this is a fun quarterback battle to watch. No, it was terrible to watch. There was not one redeeming quality in this game. This game was awful. Not alone mentioned that we had to watch Matt Jones and Kirk Cousins playing a Pro Bowl. That's enough. Josh Allen was playing freaking golf this weekend. That's how little he cared about the Pro Bowl. Josh Allen said, "Screw your Pro Bowl invite. I'm going to play golf." And the thing is, this is something I I saw a little bit. This is a prime example on why when we're looking at Hall of Fame resumes, why we should stop looking at just Pro Bowl votes or have Pro Bowl having Pro Bowl votes be so much weighted towards a Hall of Fame ballot because right now Josh Allen did not have a 2021 Pro Bowl stamped on his name or on his resume yet Mac Jones and Kirk Cousins do. So we're looking at resumes towards the end of their careers. Josh Allen will not have a 2021 Pro Bowl next to his name, but Mac Jones and Kirk Cousins will. Mac Jones has the same number of Pro Bowls as Josh Allen right now in his career. Josh Allen played one last year. Mac Jones got this year. If you just looked at solely the Pro Bowl numbers, you go, oh, these guys are probably about the same level. No, they're not. Josh Allen had more touchdowns this year than 16 other franchises. Like, there's, there's levels to this. Josh Allen was second in the NFL in total touchdowns. Like, there is le- maybe first. Him and Tom Brady were really close to each other. It's like that we got to stop. We can't look at Pro Bowl votes in regards to Hall of Fame credentials now. Because, and I, Mac Jones could develop into an amazing quarterback. When I'm talking right here and right now. If both of them retired right now, neither one of them make the Hall of Fame, but if they retired right now, I doubt, I mean, four years in the NFL for Josh, one for Mac Jones, but I doubt they'd make it right now. But we're saying they would. (laughs) People would go, ah, these two are probably the same level of quarterback here. Because some people do that. They go Pro Bowl votes. Now they had the same number of Pro Bowls. That means they're the same level of person. Trubisky has a Pro Bowl vote, or Pro Bowl appearance as well. And it doesn't tell you how many players opted out of the Pro Bowl like Joe Burrow would have been in here before Mac Jones would have been. But he's in the Super Bowl. Lamar Jackson would have been in here, but he didn't want to play because he's hurt. Josh Allen didn't want to play because uh he wanted to play golf instead, because it was more fun. And he was a lot more enjoyable to watch than what the Pro Bowl was. 41 to 35 is the most misleading scoreline in NFL history. Could Lord, that game sucked major cock. <laughs> I will hopefully not be watching next year, but you know what? It's football. And I'll watch. It's basically the USFL. It's like the AAF. It's going to be like the XFL. It's football. It might be a terrible brand of football, but good Lord, I am going to watch it. And before we close out today's show, I thought today was a pretty fun show. But before we close it out today, I would just like to say this. And I think we kind of talked about it on a Monday, last Monday's show. And I've seen this on social media quite a bit recently. And I love Joe Burrow. You guys all, you've listened to the show long enough. I love Joe Burrow. One of my favorite things to say is that I've never loved a team as much that I had no affiliation with prior to than that LSU team that won a national championship. I loved everything about that team. I love Joe Burrow, and I'll be cheering for the Bengals in the Super Bowl. But let's stop putting Joe Burrow above the likes of Mahomes and Allen right now. I think Joe Burrow is easily a top-five quarterback in the NFL, especially with Brady gone. I think the top-five quarterbacks in the league in whatever order you want, Rodgers, Mahomes, Allen, Burrow, and Herbert, I think those are the top-five quarterbacks in the NFL right now. That being said, there is a gap – If we're just talking the young quarterbacks between Mahomes and Allen and Burrow and Herbert, there is a gap in between there. And I'm not saying like a Grand Canyon sized gap or anything, but there is a gap there. Like people are talking about Joe Burrow making the Super Bowl so he's better than Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes. And I think Joe Burrow, confidence-wise, is on another level compared to the other quarterbacks in the NFL. At least most of them. But like the number comparisons, Josh Allen had nine touchdowns and no interceptions in two games. Burrow had four touchdowns and two picks in two games. Or three games. Like, his defense had five interceptions. He had, his defense had more interceptions than he had touchdowns. I'm not saying that Burrow is not good or anything. I think, jo- again, Joe Burrow's a top-five quarterback. Even Patrick Mahomes, 12 touchdowns, three picks in the postseason. Higher completion percentage, well, more yards. So, I, I, I like Joe Burrow. But we've got to stop going off the recency thing and going, he's as good or better, which is crazy, than Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes at this point in time. We can't do that right now. I I th- will be fine having this conversation in about ten years time, when all three of them guys have built up their Hall of Fame resumes and stuff like that. But for right now, I'm I don't really want to entertain it. I don't really want to entertain it. And this is coming from someone that really really likes Joe Burrow. I like Joe Burrow a lot. His confidence and his swag oozes with every single game the Bengals play. Don't care. I'm not having the conversation right now. If you put Burrow above Alan or Mar- Mahomes. I'm not gonna really take the list seriously. I'm sorry. I love again, I love Joe Burrow. He's top five quarterback, easily. But he's not top two. <laughs> that's what we're that's the base. That's basically what I'm getting at right now. And with that being said, that's all I've got for you today on this Wednesday edition of the Logan Blackman show. I do hope you enjoyed the show. If not, I greatly apologize. Make sure again to follow me on all forms of social media: Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. YouTube and Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and leave a rating on Apple Podcasts, and make sure you're following the Apple Podcasts and Spotify account. Search Logan Blackman Show on all forms of social media except for Twitter because I don't use that one. Just follow my personal account, Logan underscore Blackman. Instagram is Blackman Logan. The show's Instagram account is the Logan Blackman Show One. Facebook and YouTube, just search Logan Blackman Show. Get the Facebook page a like and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And again, make sure you're following and or subscribe to the Apple Podcast and or Spotify accounts and leave a rating on Apple Podcast. I would greatly appreciate it. And tell us why you thought this episode sucked ass or you thought it was really good. So with that, let's close out this most expensive episode, Logan Blackman Show. And I will see you guys hopefully Friday. (laughs) Unless something stupid pops up again. Peace.